listening to episode 31, chapter 3 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're continuing our conversation with Jeff Tackland. Jeff is the lead pastor of Church by the Sea in Laguna Beach, California. He's passionate about spiritual formation, surfing, and anything C.S. Lewis. He's also a spiritual director and has a master's degree in philosophy and a doctorate in semiotics and future studies. His book, The Winding Path of Transformation, describes spiritual formation as an invitation to paradox. By entering into suffering, we find joy. By embracing the downward path of humility, we find glory. And by remaining small, sometimes we grow to great heights. When we talk about growth, we often forget there is a price associated with it. If we want to lose weight, we must give up eating certain foods. We must commit our time to going to the gym. And choosing to grow in our relationship with Christ is the same. As we follow him, we give up more and more of our old selves so that we might have more of his new life. And although we shouldn't focus on what we are losing, but focus on what we're gaining, it's important to understand the exchange that happens. In Matthew 13, Jesus illustrates this concept by comparing the kingdom of God to a treasure hidden in a field. This treasure is worth far more than everything we have. And so upon discovering it, we will willingly sell everything we have in order to buy the field so we can obtain this treasure. So we're all in this for growth. And usually what we think of when we think about growing is we're usually just thinking about ourselves. I'm doing this in order for me to grow so I can get closer to God. Um, But you point out that there's actually a costliness to growth that we actually don't think about. It's not just adding, adding, adding. What does growth cost us and why is it still worth pursuing if it's going to cost us something? Mm. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a, a phrase that says when we're transformed, the ego is always disappointed. And um, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think some of the cost that that happens, similar, similar to getting married or something like that, this idea of of losing yourself is a form of suffering in many ways. There's parts of us that just don't want to go quietly. Um, and so I think with spiritual growth, that's that, that the suffering component, I, I wish it weren't there by necessity, but it seems like it's there by necessity that, that that is how we grow deep. And, um, and honestly, there's something, beautiful in that redemption but redemption implies brokenness and it in some of those wounds i think that that come we realize that that some of those wounds god allows so that we can live into our true calling but you know you think of a story like job which is so painful to read and yet you realize that there's a, a deep work that god is doing a beautiful story god is telling there but is going to take Job through the wilderness. And what you see in the end is Job basically going, okay, I knew about you, but now I've seen you, right? And the full texture of that, things have, have hugely changed. And, and really, the again, there's a word that I'll use throughout the book, this idea of freedom, but I, I don't know 
really of a better word, except maybe freedom and joy could kind of go hand in hand. But that sense when when that small side of us dies, when that kind of self-adoration shrinks down, I, the capacity that God gives me is a greater capacity to joy, I think, a greater capacity to what God would call abundant life, but it's generous, it's pouring out. That's where all the deep meaning in life is. It's where our purpose, that that this isn't, I think spiritual direction or spiritual formation or any of these things, it's not like self-help, like in the self-improvement so that I can be the greatest version of myself. It's always ultimately for the sake of others. While you were saying that, um, that passage came to mind that says, Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's so much, not just of the sinful nature, but of human nature, like who we are create, created by God, that there's a part of us that's meant to learn how to trust our creator more and more. Yeah. And it, I'm not going to try to split hairs as far as where the sinful nature stops, where that starts or, or anything like that. But uh, certainly with our sinful nature, we need to learn to put ourselves to to death in a sense and take up our crosses in that way. But at the same time, if Jesus had to learn obedience through what he suffered, uh, why why would we be exempt from that? Yeah, exactly. That's good. Yeah. No, I I like that too because I mean, there's obviously the sinful nature that has to be chipped away as we grow and as we're transformed, and so that's what we're normally thinking about. But we also don't just think about the fact that as you grow and mature, like uh, think about going to the gym, right? Going to the gym hurts. Yes. (laughs) But you come out of that pain growing stronger. Now, it doesn't mean that going to the gym is evil. Despite many protests, uh, <laughs> some mornings it might be, uh, or it might seem evil, but, um, but yeah, that's sort of like what you're talking about. It's just, it's, we're exercising our faith and, and, and our being on the spiritual gym equipment of, of life, yeah. if you will. And it certainly wasn't easy for Jesus to do things like fast for 40 days and then have the devil himself tempt him with food and power and glory. Or it wasn't easy for Jesus to, in the Garden of Gethsemane, say, not my will, but yours be done. I mean, sweating drops of blood like that does not come from an easy decision to make. Yeah. And so there's, there's some part of that that was somehow sacred and holy in, in that place. And it, it wasn't necessarily evil, but it was definitely a place of transformation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's such a good image. And I think, you know, Paul likes that image where he's going to say, train like an athlete. Right. That the, the discipline of this, it's like going into it with the right mindset and suffering is like this perseverance and endurance and hard work. That's like part of it. That's shaping who we are. And, you know, I think some of it, too, is we can we can gain an appreciation. You can almost develop uh, a healthy appetite for this kind of work where at first it just seems horrid. But after a while, you start to go, no, I I appreciate the way this feels, because I know it's on the other side of it. You, you kind of see the gains. And, um, you know, I was just I was just in Costa Rica um, on a surf trip, but it was really this surf school where I would meet with a coach and they would film you. And then that afternoon, they'd sit down and show you 
footage of yourself and it was so painful <laughs> oh my gosh every mistake everything you're doing wrong you know and I, at first i would just dread that time but you know but pretty soon you're like no no, no give it to me like i want to see it i want to see the truth and so uh, what ha- amounts to some suffering for the ego, I think at some point we start to like taste the freedom and go, oh, no, no, no it's worth it. Mm-hmm. I, lo- yeah, I love it. That, that reminds me of like my favorite scene out of all of the Narnia books when mm-hmm. Eustace is a dragon and, and he's there at night by the pond and Aslan comes and uh, Eustace is, is really afraid that, of the pain that's going to come when Aslan cuts through the, the dragon hide and rips it off. Uh, but at the same time, he says it was it was kind of like a good pain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That's exactly right. And what we'll do is we'll sit there and like scratch at it and scratch at it and yep. get to the yep. bottom of it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It is. Well, one of the things that this often brings up in ourselves. So like Josh and I have walked together long enough. And so I'm going to use this as a for instance, not that this happens, but it, it may. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, theoretically. So like if Josh comes to me and he's got that big revelation, right? He was the one that took the walk out at night and he realized how big God's grace is. So he's had a major breakthrough in his own personal growth. This is one of the things that you pointed out in the book that really did stab me in the heart. And I never really consciously was aware that this actually happened. His growth can actually cause pain or distress in me. Why does that happen? Why do we find pain um, from other people's growth? Yeah. Well, say more about the pain. Like what, what's in that case, like, is, are you talking about like jealousy? Yeah, I think, it, I think it can be jealousy. Um, and, and you, you talk about it though. It is, it disrupts our life. Like, I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing is it disrupts the status quo for Josh. Cause we have a relationship. I know sort of, you know, the rhythm and the routines, but what if all of a sudden he comes in one day and he's like, Oh no, um, I'm totally different, right? Or I've changed. I've had this life-changing moment. I think this is probably plays out the best if we use the illustration of um, our spouses. Yeah. Because, right. you know, if our spouse definitely comes in, so I'll, I'll pick on myself, right? Um, how many times I go and tell my wife, all right, baby, we're going all keto now, okay? So I'm going back on the keto j- diet, and I'm going to lose the 20 pounds, and it's, it's going to be great. And then my kids don't want to eat macaroni. You know, they don't want to eat stuff. They want to eat macaroni and cheese, and so yep. what happens? But that, that sort of – that causes a distress in our relationship even over something as simple as I'm going to try to diet. And Yeah, yeah. No, that's so true. Well, there's – the. There's a chapter in there that I wrote about this very thing, which was basically a a very transforming moment that was taking place with my wife, um, which at first I just thought was the greatest thing ever. In many ways, it was like parts of her kind of coming back to life. She had new vision and all of that, but it continued to grow and it continued to grow to the point where I felt threatened and insecure and jealous even of some of this new vision and where it was going. And I realized I was more comfortable with her at a certain level that she was like, she was leaving, she was moving to that and it was disrupting my own life. Like I realized, oh man, I'm going to have to grow in order to keep up with her. And I think some of the feelings there, there was almost like a sort of resentment that could come at, at seeing her growth because in the end, I, I didn't like the way it felt. 
And to be honest, I, I didn't even want that chapter to be in the book. Um, I was in the middle of writing and that's what was going on. And I thought, oh, I'm just gonna, there's other chapters I need to write, but I'm just going to write all this just to sort of get it down and get it out of there so that I can get to the real writing. And that's, I think that was where the book kind of took a turn for me in some ways because I thought, oh no, 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 I think this is it. I think the, <laughs> it was more than I wanted to offer. And yet I feel like that was part of it that God was saying, this is, I want, this is who I want people to see. Jeff, I want you to have the courage to let people see this stuff that, you know, it's one thing that there's kind of a noble sort of confession that we can make. And then there's like the stuff about us that we're just embarrassed to admit. But I think oftentimes the most turmoil is, is in those smaller things like jealousy and insecurity that we just never want to say out loud. And so to wade through that, it was like, it was hard work for me, but I think that's why that chapter can feel a little bit raw. Yeah. One of the things that I think is, is really orienting for my entire worldview, my entire Christian worldview, is what happened in Genesis 3. I mean, the, the serpent tempted Eve with this desire to be like God. Everything in our entire lives, every, every action that our sinful nature takes seems to be oriented around this idea of wanting to be in control, wanting to be secure and safe, and to, to gain that safety and security and control by our own power. And so I'm coming to find that like, if I see Chris growing in a certain area, um, it, it upsets that balance like you're talking about. And in a way, I lose my sense of control and safety and security in that situation. And it's really just his growth is kind of kicking up against my own sinful nature's desire to be in control of the situation, to feel good about myself, to feel good about my own pace of spiritual growth, to feel like I have that entirely under my control. Yeah. And really, God's entire work in our lives seems to be the undoing of that desire. It's the undoing of ourselves wanting to be in control and feel safe and secure and have everything kind of in a neat little ball in our hands. Right. And so I totally agree. I think he uses others' growth sometimes to intentionally kick up beside our sinful, kick up against our sinful nature and just make that kind of flare up to the surface and show us just how deep the roots of our sinful nature can go sometimes. And still, he always, at least for me anyway, comes alongside that with his grace and reminds me, it's okay, I'm here to work through this with you, and, and I've got grace for you for that. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I, well, and I think this is part of it too, this idea of being rooted near that stream, that, that if we have our, our value and our worth drawn from that, I think that centers us to the point where we're not, if I feel like God loves me, God loves Jeff for who Jeff is, you know, I think I'm okay letting other people be who they are when I'm stuck in that comparative game that's usually driven by a, a sort of unmet need or something that's going unsatisfied, that kind of thing, right? And, mm -hmm. and I yeah. think then that's where I start going into comparison. I start kind of measuring myself based on others. I, <laughs> I love that story where Jesus is talking to Peter after the resurrection and 
he's telling him about his future and where, you know, how he's going to be led around as he gets older and, you know, talks to Peter about his death. And Peter says, what about John? <laughs> and Jesus, <laughs> yeah, man, what's that to you, right? Like, <laughs> story. And you just go, no, that's, I think, so often our our instincts are to want to know about other people's story and measure ourselves that way. And I think Jesus is always drawing us back to our story and how we're growing. We each have a survival instinct when it comes to our own sinful nature or our ego. We want to continue existing and we fight against anything that threatens us. So when God works on us to transform us, it often comes with pain and discomfort because our core desire is to have our own way in life and to rule in God's place. This is what we see in the first sin recorded in Genesis. It's an attempt to become like God. Then, when God works on us, transforming us into people who follow His plan and His desires, it means giving up our own desires. It means death to ourselves. In addition to that, when others around us grow and transform into the image of Christ, we get jealous and uncomfortable because that's the very thing our ego and our sinful nature wants to do. We just want to do it in our own way. So today, I want you to take action to allow your own ego to become submitted to God's plans rather than your own. Look back over the last week and make note of all the things you did. Then take a moment to evaluate how much of your life in the past week was devoted to doing what you wanted and how much was spent doing what God wanted. And this may be tough at first because you'll probably write down something like, I went to work. But dig deeper and ask yourself why you did the things you did. Get to the motivations behind your actions. It's in those places you'll see your own ego at work. And when you begin to see that, you can begin to lay those things down before God. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Jeff and his work, check out jefftackland.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Jeff helps us understand why the path of growth and transformation is always crooked. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.